0: and welcome back we are the michigan business network this is media business i'm tony Conley. thanks so much for spending time with us our next guest i've known for quite a while haven't had the chance to talk to him but i follow him uh, on social media and he cracks me up because he's putting a lot of information out there but it's in a humorous tone we're going to talk a little bit about that with uh, Saul Amuzis. Uh he joins us. How are you, Saul? Doing great, thank you. Now, Saul, I, I know that you have been the managing partner of Coast to Coast Strategies. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, we're a public affairs uh, firm that basically does, you know, political risk assessment. Uh, we we do grass top stuff, um, lobbyists lobby, so to speak, uh, with regards to organizing things. So, you know, we do a whole lot of different things in the political sphere uh, with regards to issue management. Um, outside of actually working on any elections. Well, we couldn't wait to talk with you, Saul. Saul uh, news's, uh previous experience includes serving with the Michigan Republican Party as the chairman from 2005 to 2009. He was a candidate for chairman of the Republican National Committee in 2009 and 2011, and from 2010 to 2012, Saul was Michigan's committeeman on the Republican National Committee. And I wanted to talk a little bit about how the media covers uh, politics as, as well as business. Talk to us all about the difference between how the media works now as compared to when you first got into the business. Well, I think it's changed a lot. You know, I, I, I got involved uh, during my college days in 1978, 79. Um, to date myself, I was actually the youngest delegate at the Republican National Convention in 1980. Um, Ronald Reagan first got nominated, but you know, I think a lot has changed. I mean, every reporter, every journalist has a bias, but I think in the old days they attempted to hide the bias and at least try to present the news in a more neutral, uh, fair manner rather than necessarily letting their biases come out. Today, it's pretty hard to find um, news that's broadcast without a very distinct um, kind of... Uh, one way or the other, whether they're conservative or liberal, or you know, an activist or a, you know, wherever they're coming from, um, we tend to have everybody expressing their opinions rather than reporting the news. So that becomes very difficult, I think, for the general public to to uh, discern. And what you find is. If you take a look at most of the national news now, most of us kind of gravitate to the stories and the broadcasts and the news that we feel most comfortable with. So if you're more center-right or conservative, you may go to Fox News. If you're you know, hard-right or really conservative, you want to go to Newsmax and what's it called? One Nation. And then if you're kind of more liberal, you're hitting CNN and MSNBC. And so rather than getting a broader perspective, you kind of get some much more the same. And I think that makes it much more difficult on the political process. Well, so I feel like I'm an idiot because uh, I'm an independent journalist. So I'm just trying to get to the truth of the matter. I find myself going to the Wall Street Journal and to Fox first. And then I have to go to CNN and MSNBC. And you just try to get all these different uh, angles of stories and then try to piece together what you think is the truth. When do you think uh, it, it changed in, in regards to uh, this bias? Because uh, I've heard and I've read that it was because of Donald Trump. I believe it started uh, a lot sooner than that. Oh, yeah, it, it started a lot sooner than that. I mean, I, look, I, I think that, that um, you know, you have to, I, I think it's a false. I, I really do think it's been an evolutionary process, but, you know, you go back to, the Obama races or the Bush years, you know, I mean, there were clearly biases being, you know, expressed by the media on one side or the other. And, and we slowly saw that polarization. And I think that polarization, you know, you add social media to it, and that created the situation that I think we're into today. I mean, you know, you take a look at the day Donald Trump was elected before he even started talking about policies there was a resist movement and we had thoroughly demonstrations burning of cars and things in washington dc on inaugural day and it never stopped it just got worse and worse um you know whether we were burning cities and taking down courthouses and police stations to the ultimate you know kind of attack where the the demonstration got way out of hand at the capitol on january 6. so you know you've got this whole kind of couple years of um, polarization that has not served our country well a big part of it is because social media allows us to get to very specific you know places where we want to get our information that is biased and i don't think anybody is arguing anymore that it is biased and i think those of you who are independent are really in the minority i mean it's and and you know you don't cause enough controversy to draw the readership or listenership that a lot of people want it and that's one of the reasons so many give up on trying to be fair and balanced and independent, and rather go to one side or the other. Well, you know, I, I always thought that the arguments that each side would have would give you that, if it leads, it leads mentality. And it seems like we got away from hearing ideas from both sides and decorum with dealing with that. When, when do you think that happened, and why did it happen? Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, even as far back, uh, I mean, I, look, I remember going and having you know, drinks and conversations with democrats when i worked in the legislature when i you know went through the process uh even in 2005 to 2009 mark brewer who was the democratic chairman and i tried to make a point of having a dinner or a lunch in public so people would see that even though we fought politically we were both doing what we thought was in the best interest of michigan and the country as a whole and we slowly pulled away from that um, you know Debbie I she was national committee woman and I was national committee man for our respective parties would do radio shows together and debates together and then you know today, Democrats and Republicans almost don't even you know, talk to one another. And so I think that's 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 one of the problems. And and you know, compromise doesn't mean necessarily you have to give up on where you are coming from. It just means you have to understand where the other side is coming from. And I think we've we've lost an interest in in finding that out or having that conversation. So that it's making this process much, much more difficult. We're talking with Saul Newzes, who's the principal and managing partner of Coast to Coast Strategies. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the media and how Michigan is perceived. You're listening to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Cunh. Perfectly managed meetings, carefully planned conferences, and beautiful beginnings – that's what you'll find at Treetops Resort. We have an ideal location just minutes from I 75 and over 25,000 square feet of meeting and convention space. No matter what you're planning, let our spectacular views, spacious lodging, and outstanding customer service show you why Treetops is Michigan's most spectacular resort. Get a no hassle quote for your next meeting at treetops.com or call at 888 Treetops. back to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. want to say hello to Jeffrey Mosher and Benjamin Robinson, who are in studio with us. We're talking with Saul Anuzis, who's the principal and managing partner of Coast to Coast Strategies. Saul, when it comes to Michigan, is the media fair? Uh, you know, <laughs> fairness in the eyes of the whole You know what <laughs> I mean? If, you know, if it's giving your side a a fair shake, you feel it's fair. If it's not, then you feel it's biased. So, you know, I guess there are some, you know, reporters that try to be fairer. But, um, you know, if you take a look at, you know, you got the Detroit News It tends to be more conservative. You got the Detroit Free Press It tends to be more liberal. Uh, you know, if you take a look at the television stations, I mean, uh, most of them, I think, try to play it down the middle with regards to their political reporting. But, you know, obviously we've got, you know, some conservative and some moderate talk show hosts and obviously very conservative and liberal, you know, social media uh, type folks. So, um, you know, again, because everybody can now cherry pick where they get their information. There is no, sort to speak, general media per se because it depends on who you're listening to, who you're reading and who you're watching. A lot of the stories that I've been reading over the last couple of years when it comes to business and the growth of business, have been negative in the way they are portrayed by the media, and I just want to get your take on this. Why? Why do you think some politicians in the media are so hard on business people and people of wealth and 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 people who who want to build things? Well, you know, look, there's a, there's there's a bias from the left um, today. You've got this very, the Democratic Party has really been taken over by kind of progressives in the party. I mean, you take a look at what. You know, Nancy Pelosi and Schumer are pushing in the, at the federal level. I mean, they're very far-left policies, socializing virtually I every, mean, you know, public policy that's out there. And, and so that creates, you know, they, they have to create common enemy and business, you know, people who, you know, build a business, work for a business. Our successful business tend to be the enemy that they focus on. I think that we, you know, we no longer teach in our high schools, you know, home economics being, you know, how to balance your checkbook and how to do the right thing. It's rather, you know, what should be given out from the government for free. And too often people forget that before government can give anything to anybody, it has to first take it from somebody else. And as Margaret Thatcher so famously once said, that eventually you run out of other people's money. But we've stopped talking about those kinds of things in the general public now, and, and, uh, you know, people are saying, well, let's just write off school loans. Well, why did people take off school loans in the first place? So why should you or I, whoever is still paying their taxes, be forced to pay those student loans just because they made a bad business decision, so to speak, with regards to taking out a loan to study, you know, The apology and are wondering why they can't get a job to pay back for Bolingham or something else. So, um, you know, look, I think it's partly the the fault of our educational system uh, that clearly has been taken over by the left very methodically. uh, I think it's partly because the far left of the political spectrum has taken over the Democratic Party. I mean, there really aren't any moderates. I mean, not a single moderate voted against these crazy bills in the House and the Senate uh, across the entire country. I mean, think about that. Not a single person in Michigan or the rest of the country on the Democratic side voted against this three and a half to five and a half trillion dollar bill, okay, and who you want to believe, and I know that trillion and a half dollar infrastructure bill. Everybody's just like, okay, it's just free money, we're gonna get it somewhere. Well, it's the taxpayer that ultimately is gonna be paying for it. And unfortunately, the way we've kind of, I think, messed up the environment today is gonna be our children and grandchildren that will be stuck with the bill. What I find interesting in this political genre we're in with the media is how once, once politicians are elected, they seem to lose touch or disassociate themselves from their district and what their district wants and yet they continue to be elected, you know, cycle after cycle. How does that happen? Well, the the, the irony in politics is that about 90% of most politicians are reelected. It's just the way the process works. It's expensive to challenge somebody. Uh, The incumbency is powerful. You get, you know, uh, resources being in office that allows you to get your name out there, to pitch your position to you know sell your good source to speak to various you know voters you know, at the public cross so what happens is that you know once somebody gets in there they have a power of incumbency that really creates a situation where very few are ever taken out and most of them are taken out in primaries and that again kind of drives people to one corner or the other so it doesn't it doesn't help with the previous conversation and, and, and so when you see these elections locally countywide, statewide, all the money that's coming in from outside the state, from outside the area, it's mind-blowing. Well, it is, because, look, people, statewide, district lines, are becoming less and less relevant today in the process. Washington, unfortunately, has become so powerful, so influential, that, you know, it is in Many people's best interest to engage in politics wherever it is competitive so people end up going into races all across the country rather than worry about who's running in the backyard because it is a you know it's the only way to affect the process i mean if you if you happen to live in a you know if you try if you have to live in a a place that is, you know, safely Republican or safely Democrat, um, there's not a whole lot of reason to kind of engage from a financial standpoint, but if you got to see where you can turn it over, over or set it to the toilet base that tends to be more swing, like Michigan has tended to be, then you see a lot more of a state interest in what Michigan does, because it not only affects what happens in the state of Michigan, it has an effect on the country as a whole. We're talking with Saul Onuzas, who is the principal and managing partner of Coast to Coast Strategies, and when we come back... We're going to talk more about the strategies that he may give his customers in regards to the media, especially in political situations. You're listening to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Cunha. Welcome back to the Michigan Business Network. This is Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. We're talking with Saul of well, Saul, I wanted to just uh, dip our toe a bit more into the way the media covers politics. I know that you have customers that you work with that may be in a business or a political arena. How do you help them get their message out through the media? see every one of them is very different and has a targeted audience as well as a targeted message so it's it's pretty hard to use very broad spokes with regards to that i think that you know in the in the big picture and regardless of where you're coming from i think first of all you have to be honest you have to be informative you have to be factual uh and regardless of what the opponents say, you've got to respond to negative or untruthful you know, attacks or, or positions that people might put out. So I think that, you know, in general, um, the media is a vehicle for you to get your message out or respond to a message that's being put out against you, or in most cases, versus in favor of you. So how you respond is important. Being credible, factual, and, and uh, interesting is important. Um, and then beyond it, you have to kind of tailor it because you know you may be attacked by a certain, you know, section of the media. You may be trying to affect your message with opinion makers or even lawmakers. In other cases, you may be going to the business community for have a very different effect. So everybody has a different role to play, and you really have to target it based on where your ultimate objective is an ultimate goal that, you know, you as a customer may may have, whether it's a business client, a political client, a potentially a candidate at some stage, or, you know, somebody who's trying to set the tone for an issue you know uh there are people who are trying to you know get people to start talking about balancing a budget that we cannot keep borrowing as much money as we are At some stage would have to take a step back and pay all this back that's not a specific piece of legislation right now that's more of a general concern that a lot of people are, are raising because they're afraid of what it, the effects it may have long term on the economy you know other people are talking about medicare and Social Security and what it means. And so, you know, the message can be anything from a very broad policy perspective to something very specific, you know, such as, you know, uh, our pipeline running underneath the Mackinac Bridge and what it means for the upper peninsula and the lower peninsula and keeping, you know, energy costs reasonable in the state of Michigan. So all of those have an effect. All of those have different kind of ways of approaching it depending on, you know, on who your targeted audience may be. So I started following you on LinkedIn and uh, I, because of, of what you post, I started thinking I, I am turning into my parents because I want things to be paid for and I want things uh, not to be not to incur debt for my kids and you have a way of posting things that have humor and I think we've kind of lost that when we talk about things that maybe tick us off, when we talk about things we don't agree with, when we talk about not having decorum and, and understanding other people's ideas uh, tell us about the, the things that you post well I think if you can add a little bit of humor in your conversation and your posts and the things that you put forward, it's a very disarming view I've had people who have called me and I've been extremely upset. And uh, others who have written and, and used words and things that I normally wouldn't you know, <laughs> attribute to somebody in that you know that arena. And uh, you know, I usually write back and start out with it. Well, I guess I'll put you down as on the side. And then I'll try to explain why I took the position or took the side that I did in one thing or another. So you've got to try to you know lighten the situation up. Because again, I think in this day and age, too many people have been drawn into their respective corners. Um, they believe that they're right, regardless of what else is being thrown out in front of them. And until you can open up their minds to at least have a honest conversation, and again, it doesn't mean you have to agree with what you're you yeah, know, someone's doing. You know, I happen to be on the opposite side. Lots of different issues that many of my friends are on the other sides on it. And I just say, well, look, let's just agree to disagree, and let's now have a conversation. And too often, people just aren't even willing to have that conversation. And I think that's one of the big problems in our society today. When you look at it from a political perspective, you look at it. Look, even from a business and economics perspective, if if our if our general public doesn't understand the value of small businesses, of the large businesses, of what it means to make a profit, to be competitive internationally, to have jobs in Michigan, to bring manufacturing jobs in Michigan. We're creating a state that our children, or our grandchildren, aren't going to have a place to live in, aren't going to have a place to grow up in, and so I'm very concerned that you know just beyond the political rhetoric of winning an election every two years or four years, depending on what race you're worried about, you know we create this mindset where you know well government won't we'll take care of everybody, we're going to have a socialist kind of state. You know these professors have now been teaching the kinds of philosophy that basically makes very few self-reliance is also a bad word. The idea of working hard for a living is a bad word. Away from taking care of taking care of taking care of generations of our families, you know, within our families and now basically say, Well social security will handle that, or Medicare will handle that, or somebody else will handle it, rather than me having some sense of responsibility of you know, taking care of, you know, my obligations, whether it's personal, business, or family way. Right? So you know a little bit of humor it helps to open up that conversation in many cases, and, and I think that you know whenever you can use some humor and disarm the opposition with regards to the deeper in their argument um, and bringing them down to a rational conversation, the conversation is better, and hopefully eventually public policy is better because we're at least talking about. Saul, so I remember reading a piece about Walter Cronkite and uh, and and how he covered a story about Ronald Reagan and Tip O'Neill. And when they had disagreements, apparently Tip O'Neill would show up with cigars and scotch. And those two would argue and yell and scream and throw chairs around. And words that we're not allowed to say on the air would uh, would come forward. But they would find common ground. And I wonder what we need to do to get back to that. It's it's going to be hard. Look, uh, you know, I, I was chief of staff to then Senate Majority Leader Dick Postumis, and Kirk uh, Hertel was the Speaker of the House, and Danny Clapp was now in Triple A. AAA. I'm sorry, Blue Cross Blue Shield was uh, the, the chief of staff for, for Danny Lepp or for uh, Carter's help. And the four of us would meet every week and discuss, you know, what we're going to be doing in our respective houses, what bills we're going to be sending over, which ones looked like they were workable, which ones needed compromise, and which ones we just weren't able to deal with. But, yeah, we had that conversation in a very rational, calm manner to, in, a, in the end, try to get good public policy passed for the state of Michigan and get as much done as we could for the state of Michigan. I think those days are over. I mean, I, I haven't heard of Democratic and Republican legislative leaders, let alone Republican Democratic staffers or politicals, sitting down on a regular basis and saying, look, how do we put this craziness behind us? And I think that's really what we have to ultimately do. And so, you know, I mean, if you take a look at a guy like Walter Conrad, you take a look at some others, even though they may have had their biases, they tried very hard to have high credibility, not create kind of an emotional response from people, give them the facts on both sides and say, look, you make a decision, you decide what's in the best interest of this country, or or people, and very rarely do they come out and say, hey, I'm for or against this, or believe this is crazy, or whatever, and, um, we need more of that, and I think that's that's going to be the evolution that I think changes us back to I hope you know a stronger republic, a stronger democracy. Um, you know, once, once the politicals kind of get out their corners and, and don't let the crazies drive the bus and get up for all the brains. Final question for you, Saul: Is true journalism dead? Is unbiased reporting all sides of the story dead and gone? Uh, you know, I don't know if it's dead but it's sore and a lot of pain and and you know it's it's kind of like that dog that's been in my car you know you go either way and we'll see what happens but until we can get to the point of people wanting honest and independent journalism until we get to the point of people asking for both sides of the story in a fair manner um you know until we get to the point where papers and radio stations tv stations are willing to Uh, take that hit financially in some cases uh, of not being, you know, kind of a cheerleader for their side or the other. Um, It's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. And so, um, you know, we've kind of let the the dog out of the the gate here, you know, and everybody's, you know, running their corners and bringing people back together is going to be a very difficult task. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to start by reaching over your fence i get mad with a guy who's got a Trump or a Biden sign in his front yard and not talk to him again for a year because he didn't like it. and rather say, well, why did you do that? Why were you for him or her? And have that conversation in a rational manner. Saul Anousis is the principal and managing partner of Coast to Coast Strategies. Saul, we appreciate you so much, sir. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, it was great to be with you. Thanks very much. You've been listening to the Michigan Business Network. This has been Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly. We'll see you next time.